Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! Hey, well, howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast. Uh, Sorry about missing out last week. We were both very busy. Um, I know Roy's getting ready to head out to Europe, <laughs> which is crazy. Yes. yes, I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location to stay away from all you weirdos that might be sick. Because I, I literally leave tomorrow, so I'm the only the only trip outside of this house until I leave tomorrow to go to the airport is to go to Walgreens to get my COVID test so I can fly. Yeah, so he's uh, currently uh, indisposed at the moment, but uh, very happy to be back here this week, guys. So once again, this is uh, Rob White fighting Texas Aggie class of uh, 2014. And this is Roy May fighting Texas Aggie class of 2015. And uh, what a Saturday. Yeah, you know, and not just our game. It was just a great college football Saturday. It's one of those days that makes you just love the sport. You know, I, I made this remark earlier. I think that, you know, the bonfire game, I don't even look at as a football game because obviously that's the greatest football game ever played at Kyle. Uh, you can't change my mind on that otherwise, but it was yeah. more than a football game, you know. But yeah. just pure football, that might have been the greatest game ever at Kyle Field. And I'm not sure that it was the greatest game on Saturday. No. <laughs> well, and the thing is, <laughs> but you, you talk to the folks uh, at the upper level, they'll say it was. But the crazy part was, I mean, you look at some of the games that took place that day. You had a really good Iowa-Penn State game, which went down to the wire. You had a very, Red River shootout. Yeah, you had a really good comeback from Oklahoma in the Red River shootout. And then, of course, you had just an absolute slobber knocker between uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss, which uh, was defense yeah. optional. Hey, yeah, yeah, right. Well, even <clears throat> except for on the last play, except for on the two point conversion. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and you even looked around some of the games because I was just trying to find something to watch. And you know, the Georgia Auburn game was about as close as I thought it would be. Um, I saw a lot of, I saw some pundits say like 30 to 20. I was like, dude, Auburn's not scoring 20 points on the Georgia defense. No. Um, but like, even, uh, what was it, SMU Navy? Like, that mm-hmm. was tied up till the end. Like, SMU is ranked. They like it or not, they're ranked in the top 25, and Navy is Navy, and they're not even a good Navy this year. So there were there were a lot of incredibly entertaining football games on Saturday. So it was easy to it was easy to flip around, and, and you didn't have to do a whole lot of flipping to find a fo- good football game. Uh, Michigan, Nebraska, another good one. Another good game, for sure. So yeah, sa- Saturday was a treat. You know, Saturday was definitely a treat, and I mean, there's really nothing much we can do as far as you know, really analyzing much deeper on most of those games because most of them spoke for themselves. Great football games. Um, you know, you were a little well, just, I don't think anybody wants to hear us break down Michigan, Nebraska. So <laughs> absolutely not. And and you know, we can go into details on Red River shootout, but I mean, let's face it, that was the Spencer Rattler show till it wasn't. And that was a that was a wonderful start to the day. I wonder where Rattler's gonna play next year. Yeah, because that kid Caleb Williams, yeah, that kid Caleb Williams was making throws. It reminded me of Johnny, off balance, jumping in the air to throw the ball. Like he's that kid is is something special. Um, so he's going to be fun to follow once Rattler either actually accepts riding the pine or decides to go ahead and transfer. That's it's the Caleb. If if I'm if I'm dry fit up there in uh, uh up in Norman, it's it's the Caleb Williams show going forward. But mm-hmm. no, what a what a wonderful beginning though to the day because. 
What what was the thought for all the Aggies going into Saturday? Like, oh man, Texas is probably going to blow the doors off of OU, and then we're going to be on national television and get demolished by Bama. It's going to be like the worst Saturday ever. And like, all you had to do was turn that frown upside down. Yeah. Like, OU walks it off on just what was an extension of terrible defense by both teams, really the entire game. Yeah, and it start. I mean, gosh, it started on the first play, the swing pass out to Worthy, and OU they couldn't tackle the ground. Um, and uh, although that's where most of them ended up, um, and then to walk sure. off, just a little draw, trying to burn clock to 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 have a you know a, just a walk off field goal, and they just decide not to play defense. And uh, so, it, great start to the game. The, the middle uh, the middle group of games was okay. You know that was that Georgia Auburn slot, but uh, yeah, then you got to our game, and I, I made a couple of decisions. I, I stepped outside of my my norm, right outside of my my happy place for for Aggie games, which sometimes isn't very happy. I might add. But uh, sure. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wear A&M gear. Uh, I'm not going to get too high, and I'm not going to get too low. I'm just going to watch this game. And so uh, so I put on a, a Mike Evans Celebrity uh, Golf Tournament shirt. So you know, indirectly A&M. And I put on some West Ham shorts, which, you know, Claret, Maroon, same thing. Um, and I settled in. Yeah, I, got, I did get my 12-man towel, but, you know, that's, that's not optional. Um, and I settled in, and it was me and Megan and, and our friend Jonna, and we were just watching the game, and it you know, started off well, and it just kind of – it never got to a point where it felt bleak, or, or even when Alabama went up, you just – you didn't have that sense of impending doom on Saturday, but I never got too excited. Um, after the game, Jonna was like, this is the weirdest. I've never seen you like this watching an A&M football game. And I was – I just – I was totally chill the entire game. And then after the game, I completely freaked out. And I, like the fact I didn't get noise complaints is great. And, well, I mean, um, it's what we like to call house money, right? I mean, this was a game that after the last two weeks of football, we didn't really get a chance to discuss the Mississippi State game. But it was safe to say that that was not yeah, a good. very good – that was not a good game for us. And it was very difficult. However, you know, this is what we talk about as far as that whole adversity thing coming back and, you know, stepping up the level. The biggest issue but, on this team – has been a line, right? And yet, they played up a level. And really, what this game was, at least for me personally, this game was house money. Nobody expected us to win this game. It was, I mean, how many different little records that Alabama had set got broken by this game? Well, you look at all those records and you realize what Alabama's really been doing. It's, yeah. And it's just, and we, we all know it, but to see the numbers on paper, is, it's something else. Um, but, yeah, if you really look at it, if we, if we get to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about the Mississippi State game. But no. even though we won the Colorado game, ever since, uh, I guess you could say since Haynes King went out, although like his first drive in Colorado, it's not like he marched down the field and, and you know, Put, a, you know, put seven on the board. It was kind of been a downward trajectory as a program since the end of the Kent State game. I mean, New Mexico was a nice bright spot, but nobody cared. Like, nobody cared. And to be honest, we talked about the New Mexico game. It wasn't four quarters of execution. It was just beating up on a smaller opponent. That's all it was. And yeah. so, you know, after the Arkansas loss, you know, the first time in a decade losing to those guys, and then just the, the follow-up with Mississippi State at home, too, and I think that made it even more disappointing. Hey, it's it's not a burn it down and start over. But you're like, man, where do we go from here? And uh, and you want to talk about probably I think is <clears throat> one of the most important talking points about this is the the mental resilience 
of really the entire team because not just Zach, although Zach obviously showed that was important. It, 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 a lot of people eat and crow about Zach. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I didn't think Zach had that kind of game in him. Um, not against Alabama. Uh, but, but he, he went out there and proved everybody wrong. And, and just that I, so at some point during the game, they zoomed in on Calzada's face night and, and I turned to my wife and we all know Megan's a bears fan. Right. And I said, you know what he reminds me of? <clears throat> Prime Jay Cutler. He's got, he's like, when he's got his helmet on, he's got that look like just nothing bothers him. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. The only time we've ever seen him get truly low was at the end, like when the game was over Mississippi State. You know, he was emotionally devastated. And, but he reminds me of Jay Cutler. I mean, he's, he's out there leading this team down the field and just kind of dinking and dunking on Alabama. And, and he's, he's just cool as the other side of the pillow, man. And his he, face, just no emotion in his face. No, he he did a great job. And frankly, just it, you know, to your point, what we were talking about with mental resiliency, being able to come back against you know a top level Alabama game, and really outside of one real mistake, uh, you played a pretty flawless game. And really, that was his first incompletion, was that interception. I mean, he threw the ball well, well and, and it, his receivers were it, getting open. And everything else just kind of fell in line. Well, I, and I don't, I don't, I mean, he gets, he gets it in his stat line, but I think there was a miscommunication there on that pick. Just it flat happens. out. Uh, it reminded me of the day after it was the Cowboys game, Dak Prescott, uh, you know, you're expecting a receiver to go one way and he goes the other. I mean, what do you do at that point? You know, cause you, you've got to let the ball fly. And if they're not making, if the receiver's not making the right read, you can't wait for him to settle into an open spot before you throw the ball because then it's too late. That's quarterback 101. You throw it to where he's going, not where he is. Right. And uh, so I just what, – well, you really had two mistakes, that and then the blocked punt, right? But um, that's so not those, on him, is it? No, no, I'm just saying as, as a team, I thought those were the only two mistakes that you could really even look at and say, yeah, yeah those were kind of big moments in the game because obviously turnovers are massive. But, but then, again, resilience, they block a punt and – it's back-to-back special teams. But that was going to be my point is it seems like every time there was a mistake, every time there was a goof on one side or the other, it was followed up with a response. You had the kick return touchdown. After the turnover, we don't give up a touchdown. You know, we do everything that we were supposed to do to lock down that game. And frankly, from a defensive standpoint, one thing I really enjoyed from this game was the lack of allowing touchdowns on red zone visits. How many times did we force them into field goals? Yeah, red zone defense was fantastic. You talk about answering, you know, when we needed a three and out. um, I I think one of the absolutely most glaring, you know, like put the neon pointy sign at it is the sack line. Yeah. we If if you were going to say one team was going to get sacked four times and the other was going to be zero – which team would you have put in that statistical? You'd have flipped it, right? Absolutely. I no, mean, now our you, offensive line is played. You'd have been like, eh, we're going to get sacked four times. Yeah. I mean, you would have thought that coming in. But, I mean, you know, the things we've talked about when it has come to Alabama, you know, preseason, we said what were, you know, you had to win all three phases of the game and you had to win the turnover battle, right? And, frankly, we were even. If we're being honest, we were even on the special teams because we both scored all of our points that were possible on special teams. And we had two special touchdowns from the special teams. So that was a even push, but we didn't allow that to get past us offensively. We had a great scheme. I'll take it, but I'll take a push. 
But I'll, I'll take, take a push. push. I'll take a push in that situation. Yeah. Offensively, we kept them off balance with a s- solid, steady running attack and then would burn them over the top of the pass. And defensively, we kept them off balance for most of the game and made the key stops when needed. And then we won the turnover yeah. battle. Yeah, well, winning the turnover battle is always huge. And I think, um, you know, special teams being a push, you know, if you're looking for a tiebreaker, then maybe you look at the sacks. Sure. And it's, and it's not that we got four sacks, because if we got four and they got six, then us getting four sacks wouldn't have been nearly as helpful. But yeah. you, you go back to that offensive line play, and it's like we've been we've been trying to figure out the right combo, right? You know, it's it's it, we couldn't get the order right, and we you know, and injuries aren't helping that. And you, you and they've they put a group out there, and and you want to talk about doing a job? Uh, and I, and I, this may not be the greatest Alabama defense of the past ten years, but it ain't like they're bad. No, they're not bad at all. And I mean, they did. I mean we can go back and look at that Florida game and we've seen Alabama is not invulnerable this year and that's okay. I mean, they're still, I would say a top five team in the country easy. I mean, it's hard to argue that because of the players they have on that team. And it's interesting to listen to the talking heads, right? Cause that's what we get to deal with every week. Uh, this week has been the whole idea was, you know, is this discrediting, are we discrediting AM and saying that Alabama just played poorly? Or did AM offset Alabama with good coaching and just exploited and did their job? I like to think it was number two. Yeah, I think it was just a whole lot of factors. One, um, I thought we absolutely didn't get out coached in any phase, which is honestly, that's it's different than the last two games. Because the last two games, there have been like we've been out coached on one side of the ball or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. And that didn't happen in Alabama game. We didn't get out coached. Nope. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about the the superior talent and depth that Alabama has as a roster relative to us, and we're not, again, you know, we talk about every year we've been, you know, trying to tighten that gap a little bit. Um, you know, that's where if, you know, if you get a, you know, if, if you get a push on special teams against Alabama, you love it because Alabama has four and five stars on special teams, you know? Exactly. Um, so, I, one of the biggest keys, honestly, well, not maybe maybe not biggest, but I, obviously it was huge. Was that the early targeting? You know that that's the kid that calls their coverages for him. Yeah. And I think what it what it kind of goes to show you is maybe at that point you did out coach Alabama because you're trying to tell me you got one guy that can help back there call the coverages and the rest of them aren't coached up because that's kind of what it felt like. And, and I don't think that Alabama had any massively. Uh, terrible coverages at the rest of the game. Um, they had a couple of blown assignments, but I think the guys were, well, the Watermeyer touchdown was a completely blown assignment, yeah. but Anias beat, beating that guy to the front pylon is that's just, speed. Was just that, talent. That's, that, yep. that's good coaching and getting a matchup where it, it, I mean, unless you're one of the, the premier speedsters in the sec secondaries, you can't hold a nice Smith anyways, not when he's running around like that. So I, I, I thought the coaching was brilliant. I thought the execution was even better. And and it's funny because, you know, we gave up 38 points, but, what, you know, if you look at it, all we had to do was give up 38, and, and we won, right? And and against an Alabama offense, that they're, they're running back. Yet again, Alabama has another phenomenal running back that will be running on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And they so, loved it. I mean, uh, I mean, case in point, I look at this game – 
And it's like, yeah, sure, we gave up 38 points to Alabama in almost any other situation. People would look at that and say, well, <laughs> nail in the coffin. But we scored 41. And Alabama doesn't well, give and, up 40. And Alabama does not give up 41 points very often, do they? No, absolutely. And and really, if you want to look at defense, you take seven points off of both sides, right? Since sure. we both had a special teams touchdown. So you held, held Alabama's offense to 31 points. And they held us to, you know, 34. Um First of all, scoring 34 points on Alabama is a fantastic offensive day. Uh, I think you know, going into it and you know, looking back at the Alabama-Florida game, what was weird about it is I thought Alabama got up early on Florida and then just kind of coasted. I, I, that's why I thought Florida was able to keep it close. Um, but, but I think the, the, the biggest part of our success, especially as it comes down to you know, holding them when we had to hold them on defense, was uh, – just the, the defensive line pressure, you yeah. know, being able, it, you know, you had four sacks and a handful of hurry quarterback hurries. Right. So even when you're not getting to him, you're disrupting him. And, and That's I it. didn't think that Bryce Young was the best quarterback in the nation. And I don't think there was any reason to think that beforehand. He, mm-hmm. he was really good, but he was getting anointed after, you know, his first pass of the first game, he goes 95 yards and everybody freaks out. Right. Sure. Well, He's a good quarterback. He's well, well, well above average. And he could end up being elite, but right now, He's he's a really good quarterback that still gets flustered, and he's and, he's and furthermore, as an Alabama, he's you know, waka 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 um, waka. But yeah, but he, he not only is he young, but he plays for Alabama, so he's not used to being pressured. Like you right. know, being hurried and being pressured isn't part of the game in Alabama. No. So I, I thought it was I thought it was brilliant. Uh, I thought Elko did a phenomenal job. I thought he had um, a good scheme. I, and they had a great scheme um, and, and not just Elko, you know, you had to get props to all the position coaches, you know, Terry Price, you know, the guys over in the secondary linebackers, all interior, out, exterior linemen, everything on defense, it came together and they played as a unit. And, and we saw, it's weird. We gave up 31 points on defense and you, and you feel great about it. Like you feel great about where the defense is at. Well, I mean, like I said, and it's, you know, you're playing against Alabama. You gave up the points you gave up, but overall you played a solid game plan and you kept them off balance and frankly frustrated them and frustrated Nick Saban and frustrated that whole team. And it was more than enough to get us the win, which is obviously the most important part. So, um, so let's go um, kind of into our sustain and improves. If that's something that you want to jump in on. Well, I want to do one thing before I forget it. And this is a point you brought up weeks ago, and it might have even been before the season. I don't remember. But remember how you alluded to the Florida game last year? Yeah. Where the, like, we were winning, but the team, nothing looked good. We didn't look, you know, perfectly gelled. And that drive in the Florida game, and really the Florida game, you know, obviously the outcome too. But it, there was a point in that game where we lined up and we were just like, we're going to run it, and if you can't stop it, I don't care. Yeah. And we did that, and you saw that team change. I think – you, know, you can look back and uh, you know, the same score, same kicker. It's Jimbo's birthday. That all of that's so creepy. All the <laughs> tradition. <laughs> um, but you know, you can look at that drive where we went down, right? And you, you got to come back. And you have to answer because you know there's a lot of people thinking, ah, well, oh, well, we, you know, we gave it a good run, right? But and not just once, not just once, but twice. We go down the field, we answer, we go down the field and win. And, and and you wonder if that combined with, you know, how well the offensive line played, um, which is a massive key to our success. You know, you, you wonder if those two things aren't the turning point for this season. 
very well could you know, be. Unlike, unlike last season, you know, now we had losses, but but weird things. College football landscape is pretty crazy this year. So, well, I mean, you remember 2007? Seven. Right? Yeah, 2007. You remember that season, right? Uh, which one's seven? Us, us or just in general college football? I'm saying 2007, the college football season. The year that oh, yeah. had like endless amounts of undefeateds get you know knocked off and um, ranked teams. Namely, if you're ranked number two, you were royally screwed every week because you lost. Yeah, that was well, like two thirds of the team lost on like week three or week five, wasn't it? Like if it was one weekend, it was just uh, just brutal chaos. You had I want to say it was week four or five, but you had eight eight ranked teams get upset that week. So it's just this kind of has a similar feel to it. <clears throat> I mean, weirdly enough, whether we like it or not, the SEC West in particular is wide open. I mean, you've got a bunch of teams that are sitting at four and two overall. Granted, yeah, we're still at one and two in conference play, but the door's been opened. We just got to go out there and do what we do. I'm not going to make some kind of pitch backdoor that somehow we're going to backdoor our way into the playoffs as a two-loss team, but what I will say is you saw what this team is capable of doing and they have a chance to at least run the table and get themselves back to another um, game uh, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Well, I, as crazy as it's been, you know, of all the goals that we have, what's one we haven't even come close to yet. And that's win the SEC. Well, you can't win the SEC if you're not in Atlanta, right? Sure. So if enough crazy things happen in the West, we could find ourselves in Atlanta. We need some help. And first and foremost, <laughs> from ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but if Alabama drops another, then we've got the tiebreaker on them. We yeah. just got to win out. But, I mean, yeah, we've just got to win out. Ho hum, so easy, right? Well, I mean. But there won't it. be another team on the schedule as hard as Saturday. There won't. No. Saturday was the toughest game on the schedule, and we pulled it off. So, um Please uh, keep in mind, folks, uh, Roya is over here dying. Uh, we're going to let him breathe for a second. Yeah, sorry about that. So, okay, so let's get to sustains and improves. You can go ahead and start, wherever okay. you want to start. So I wouldn't mind – also, I'll go ahead and do uh, improve, sustain, then sustain, improve. We'll, we'll do kind of like we did last time. Um, so I would say probably the one improve for me – was just um, you know kind of shoring up down the stretch um, is you know offensively we went a little cold there, especially their early part of the fourth quarter. Now, granted, we pulled it off in the end, but it never really should have been that close. Um, you know, we were up by two scores for the majority of the middle portion of this game. I'd like to see us maintain that and maintain some momentum offensively, so we don't get into tight situations like that. Yeah, you let him back in it, but I, I think it might have been String. He put up the yardages by quarter, and you saw us hit that stall in the third quarter. Yep. And and so basically what Alabama did was they made adjustments, but then you look at our yards in the fourth quarter and you see that we readjusted. So while you hate those cold, you know, like, you know kind of those cold sets where what did we have like seven incomplete passes in a row at one point. It's bad. Yeah, but, not great. But we, but we made the adjustments and – and so uh, I'll just kind of counteract that with an improve or with a sustain. And that's yeah. that in-game adjustment. We're not waiting till halftime and, and just, and whatever adjustment we make at halftime, we ride or die till the end of, end of regulation. 
that was a very fluid offensive plan in the second half. And, and I, and I tip my cap to my, uh, to Daryl Dickey for that, because like you said, I mean, we just went cold and we're up by two touchdowns. You let him not only just let him back in the game, but I mean, you get into a dog fight with him. Mm. And so I thought the adjustments on the back end of that stale period are are also an improve or a sustain, excuse me. Yeah. So my sustains, I'm going to throw two in there. First and foremost, offensive line, whatever you did, keep doing that. Yeah, Yeah, right. That particular group, that particular scheme, it worked. They did the job. They kept Zach Calzada up and vertical for pretty much the majority of the game. Never got sacked once. And secondly, and this is just a general thing, spirit of the 12th man, that crowd was nuts. Maintain that. Because guess what? So many people this week were giving us crap about, because apparently the internet finally discovered Midnight Yell. So we were getting... How weird is that? That's just out of the blue, right? Right. So it's like, you know, we're getting... We're getting crap left and right about AM and the cult and all this other fun stuff that people love to throw at us. And yet, you prove the haters wrong. You went out there and had a great game. You showed up in force after losing two straight weeks because guess what? We're built different. That's what we do. It's what we do. Like I said, I don't understand why Texas AM fans would show up after two <clears throat> weeks because you're not an AM well, fan. You don't get it. Yeah, because you're not an Aggie. Right. Yeah, it's um, and well, and and to counter that, what's so funny is on the back end of it, and and you heard enough comments about it during the game as well. Just how how much praise was was heaped on the twelfth man? You know, just how loud it was, and, and the players and the coaches and 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 the talking heads just talking about how Rock and Kyle feel. I mean, on TV, it was insane. You know, there are times where they had to readjust the microphones. You could tell they were like, crap, turn it down. We're going to blow something. Um, So the the 12th man was just unbelievable for the game. Um, I probably, my, my improves. um, Yeah. My, my big improve is going to be special teams. You just can't allow that. You you can't allow a a punt block on on your end and give up a touchdown. You, it's just one of those things where <clears throat> you're not going through the motions, but you're not quite as attentive as you need to be. And what was an incredibly important situation of the game and the defense bailed you out or special teams bailed you out um, by answering. But you know, that, that it's, it's those tiny little things are what separate championship level teams from really, really good teams. Right. You know, it, that's a, you know, early in the game, not thinking about what you need to be thinking about it. You know, you, you have mm-hmm. to be thinking about about everything. So it's my my main my main improve would be that. Uh, outside of that, I, there's just nothing glaring. There's really not. I thought that the tackling was was good. I thought um, the, the obviously the offensive line was phenomenal. Wadmire is a massive sustain. It was so great to see him get back involved in what is one of the most critical games of the year, yeah. or really in our program's history, sure. and go out and be the Wadmire that we know he can be. Yeah, it was good to see him get back on his uh, get back on the horse uh, after the last couple of weeks, just kind of struggling in the passing department. But he did come out and showed out, and so did Denia Smith, and so did A Chain, and so did Spiller. It just felt like every key player that we needed to go out there and do a job, they did it. And, and Seth Small, and oh Seth Small, right? Good right. Him. What do you like? 
Yeah, one of the big things when you're playing a game like this, right? You know, you, you got to play, I'll play them in all three phases and you need, you know, the ball to bounce your way a couple of times, right? Exactly. So not, not only did you like that, I said that sack metric, I think is huge, especially when you include QB hurries, mm-hmm. but, but what was one category we've been having problems with the last couple of weeks and that literally got flipped on the other side. It was dropped passes. Yeah. I mean, they were Alabama couldn't hold the ball yep. and we, and we could. It's all there was to it. We didn't drop the. We didn't have the dropsies this week. Nope. And that's you know that's a key reason why we ended up winning this game, despite the fact being we were eighteen point dogs. So, I mean, yeah. so it's another it. one of those tangibles. You know, it's 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 tangible, but it's not something people look at. You never think about drops if your team isn't affected by it. I guarantee you, Monday morning Alabama radio, all they could talk about was wide receivers couldn't hold on to the damn ball. Well, they're right. That, well, unless you're on the internet, then all of a sudden somehow this was all the refs' fault. Um, like Alabama yes, fans complaining about Saban. refs. Yeah, uh, woof. Woof. And that reminded me of last night and watching the Astros game and the other in Chicago. And uh, I was a little group text with my dad and my sisters just during games. We just kind of all, I was like, you know, it's really ironic that White Sox fans want to talk about the integrity of the game. Because if we're still talking about this stuff four years later, then we can still talk about the Chicago Black Sox scandal. Because apparently there's no statute of limitations. So don't ever talk to me about integrity of the game. No, and no, if, and you're, I, if you're a White Sox fan. Well, I think the funniest part was the White Sox fans talking about, oh, well, A&M's history of cheating. I'm like, oh, do we really want to open up that particular box of cookies? Because we can start, yeah, we so can start scarfing those things down with milk. Come on. It's, it's, this, it's the same. It's in the same vein as Bama fans talking about not getting calls. It's just – it's so laughable. Uh, it, it's – I, you want to talk about not be able to see the forest for the trees. And then there, what, a, what a wildly entitled fan base. So not only think that obviously the rest were out to get them, but now that now, you know, after losing to A&M, obviously Nick Saban is past his prime and he needs to be put out to pass. Are you completely, well, you know what? I know the answer to that. I'm not going to ask it. They are completely insane. They are. And I mean, like I said, <laughs> entitled, right? I mean, you're talking about a fan base of people that at this point, I don't think a single uh, student at that school has vis- has witnessed a loss at home in the last you know, three or four years. How spoiled must no. you be that you're not losing home games? Now, granted, you went on the road into a tough environment, <laughs> despite what Herb Street and crew are always saying, right? Kyle Field came out here. And showed people, I mean, why we are who we are. The hate barn was back, and it was a rocking. Well, and 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 that video is yeah, a few years old, right? And it is. You know, if you want to go back, if you want to go back further, you know, all the way back to the one where you know uh, Herbstreit goes this is the best the college, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, but let's be honest when they when they had that video. What was intimidating about playing in Cal Field? So, like, you hate that video to get lead because it sucks and it's a bad perception. But games like Saturday night are where you swing that perception. And you say, you don't want to come to Kyle Field. Well, and and here is the thing for me. I think this was kind of a driving factor. You consider with the environment, the teams that were involved, and the perception of the students. This was a night game at Kyle Field, 7 o'clock CBS primetime against number one. Mm. Here's the deal. This was about the most perfect storm from a student perspective of, hey, let's we got nothing to lose. Let's go out there and rock their shit. And they did it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care if I have a voice on Monday. I don't I, I'll, I'll you know, like I'll just type messages to my prof. Yeah, if I'll just I'll just start I'll just start, 
I'll start popping <clears throat> cough drops. It's fine. Yeah, it, it just I, I, you can't say enough about the twelfth man, though. You really can't. It was it's just a. You're talking about a day, you know, a day after we lose our second straight game, and we lost at home to a Mississippi State team that we everybody on the planet knows we shouldn't have lost to, <clears throat> and the lines around Kyle, halfway around Kyle for 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 student, you know, for ticket pull for Bama. So I think, and I think you saw. Well, and what you know, what I didn't hear on on the broadcast, which uh, hasn't been this hasn't been like this in past years, I just didn't hear a lot of Bama fans at, at any point. They they're you know, Ags held on to their tickets, and I and I feel like <clears throat> Saturday night after Mississippi State, <clears throat> a bunch of Ags were putting their stuff on secondary market and like oh, I'm not gonna go watch this Bama thing. See what I you know, see what kind of money I can make off these tickets. And then you see those videos of the students going, screw this, it's Bama. Let's go. And I feel like the 12th man maybe even played a part in getting a lot of the season ticket holders to hold on to their seats. Well, Casey, I mean, I say this a lot, but as a great example of this, you know what this game and its environment reminded me of a lot was as my time as a student, I can imagine this is how the freshmen felt. This reminded me of that Nebraska game in 2010. In terms of just the sheer amount of hype around the game from a student standpoint, you know, that Nebraska game, everybody was committed to, we're going to pack this thing out, 90,000 people. We're going to make this place an absolute fortress. And just Country's wall- watching. Right, and there's going to be a wall of sound. That's what we wanted. And that's yeah. pretty much what we got in 2010. You know, different circumstances, sure. But from a student standpoint, this was – Hey, number one's coming into our house. Let's break your butt. Yeah, like the twelfth man, and and just the whole entire circumstance of the game of the LSU seven overtime game was insane, right? I get it; it was crazy, but yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, when you, when you play on Thanksgiving weekend to to be able to truly pack it out, and I get it; I I, I totally get it. You know, it's tough. Sure. Those are the holidays, um, and not to mention, I mean, it's LSU, but. You know, it's it's one of those games where if you weren't there, you weren't going to be bothered. Like, you you felt like you know the way we were playing, you, you felt good about it. But, I, yeah, I, I I don't know that there's there's been a game like there was on Saturday night at Kyle Field, and I don't know when the next one will show. I don't. I don't know either. Uh, and the thing is, it was an important game that they ended up winning. And you look at the rest of the schedule, and you have a handful more important home games that you got to cruise through, you know. You still got to take care of a business against Auburn. You still have to take care of business against South Carolina. You got to take care of business just on the rest of the schedule here. But Right, and the rest of them are the road, right? Because we got Missouri on the road, we got Ole Miss on the road, and we got uh, we got to finish in Baton Rouge. Right. You want to talk about a game that should be, like, blowing the roof off? Auburn. Yeah, it really should be. I mean, this it should be another version of what this game was. I mean, it's probably going to be another night game at Kyle Field. We got to go out there and show out because guess what? Auburn. Bonex is still there. Yep, and this game is just as important. It is. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah. You you look at the schedule kind of as it unfolds now, and and you hate to say like you're not concerned with Missouri, but I mean, Missouri's they're just they're not very good. They're not um, very good, so, and you've got to go show them that they're not very good. Right. I mean, you've got to go out there, and you can't have the Alabama hangover. You can't 
and you can't walk in with your chest out saying, well, we beat Bama and you're just Missouri. So, but, but I, I, I feel like Jimbo's pretty good at keeping them grounded. Um, <clears throat> but then, I mean, you look at Auburn, you get at home. And, yeah. and if I, if you told me we're going to go one and one Auburn at home, Ole Miss away, I'd say we lose Ole Miss and win Auburn just because of what sure. I saw on Saturday night with the 12th man. So I don't know, man, it's, it's a whole, whole new uh, life just injected into this program um, and, and the fan base. Honestly, you want to talk about as, as much apathy as we had um, in the fan base and, and just, uh, and, and I'm not going to say rightfully so, but for Aggies, we had a lot of apathy, you know, yeah. if maybe, maybe that's a nice way for, for us, relatively speaking, we were like, Ooh, this is, this is kind of brutal, but uh, you know, for them to go out and, and do what they did on, and boy, you want to talk about here's I'll give you one more sustain mm-hmm. beating Alabama at home with a million people in the stands and 30 some odd recruits there. Mm-hmm. Like you, you won twice on Saturday night because you beat Bama and you beat Bama in front of some of the most important recruits you have the entire cycle. So, right. You put those two together, and and, and 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 you've got some of the people that made the double, right? They went up to, they were at the Red River Shootout, and mm-hmm. they drove down, went to, the, you know, you want to talk about putting a stamp on a weekend, especially in the recruiting side of it, and and you just, there's so many superlatives you can continue to use about Saturday night, and you wouldn't be wrong no matter how many of them you used. No, I think the funniest so. thing was the, like the people that were saying. This this year is going to put into perspective. Or this weekend was going to put into perspective the state of college football in Texas and who's the next, who's going to be the powers. Right. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Because yeah, you were correct. I just didn't, didn't go the way you wanted to. Yeah, didn't go the way you wanted it to. Did it? Well, and for and don't get me wrong. I mean, there were almost 80 points put up in our game, um, but. It was just different football in Kyle Field than it was in the Cotton Bowl. It was. You know, and you can say what you want. Like, I don't know why you keep talking about Texas. You know why? Because they're a recruiting rival. And by the way, they're going to be our conference mate soon. All right? I'm about to say, yeah. So, <clears throat> them and Oklahoma, they put on a wildly entertaining show. I mean, there was that was like arena league football, like entertainment. All of the offense, sort of the defense. Mm-hmm. I, like, I straight, it was like arena league in the Cotton Bowl. But you came down, and even though it was 41-38, we played football and we, you know, there you, we were putting our hands on, in the dirt and, and getting after it. And I think if you just, the dichotomy of those two games, even though they're both wildly entertaining, right. Yeah. I, the, that red river shootout, it, that may be the best game in the history of that rivalry. I'm not kidding. It was just so completely insane. It was, but, but the difference in watching those two games and what looked more like big boy football, I, I thought was obvious to, to anybody. I mean, here's the deal. Yes, you have two teams that are scoring a lot of points, and it's really exciting, and there's all these flashing lights. It's exciting. Very exciting. But you put, you know, that Alabama team that we just beat, and they play Oklahoma next week, they're beating Oklahoma by 40. You know, maybe not 40, but maybe maybe 20. I don't know. know. They, they, They beat them by three scores. I would say 20. Um, you say flashing lights, and it's funny. I don't know why this popped in my head. You know, it's like when you go to Vegas. You know, the excitement and the thrill, you know, the flashing lights and the and, you know, all the slot machines dinging and, and everybody cheering around the tables mm-hmm. and craps and everything's crazy. 
And it's a ton of fun, right? It's just, it's a ton of fun. But if you really want to be in Vegas and you want to make money and you want to be serious about this, what do you do? You go where it's quiet. You go to the poker room. You belly up with a bunch room. of badasses. That's right. And you go play. You really go play to win money in Vegas. So while, so while that Red River shootout, it was all of the slot machines. It was yes. the, the dancing girls, the, the the Blue Man group. It was everything that's exciting. You know, uh, you know the, the serious gamblers. They, they don't sit down to slots, them, man. Yep. They, they go belly up at a table where there's not a lot of music. They're, it's far enough away from the slots. So you're not, you don't have to yell to talk. You can think because you're there to do a job. And that was the difference between watching that, you know, pinball game in, in the cotton bowl and just uh, belly up, look you in the eyes and I'm going to take your money. And that's what we did. At yep. the end of the day, we had the better hand. We played, well, even if we didn't have the better hand, we played it right, and we played the game better than Alabama did, and we walked away with a bracelet and the briefcase full of cash while, you know, OU and Tech, you know, well, OU really only, but during the game, OU and Texas fans got to take all the pictures and get all the free drinks and, and do all the, you know, use all their fun vouchers. We were there for a reason. Yeah, you're right. And, and I thought, and, and I, that, I don't know why that pops in my head, but it just seems like the perfect analogy between the two games. No, it's a great analogy, and like I said, we did go out there. We worked hard got a big win and let's face it the whole world is now looking at AM in a different light on that front saying these boys are here they're ready to play yeah they struggled last couple of weeks but guess what they're not going anywhere this is maybe this is maybe they found the team that we all thought they could be yeah so yeah, maybe, maybe they put it together yep. so let me hop in on uh this next week um obviously missouri we know what we got to do just maintain momentum, go out there and beat their butt. Yes. I mean, it's 11 it's, o'clock well, in the morning. But, but, hey, just get – you know what? But you're in Columbia, Missouri. Just get it out of the way. I mean, that stadium is basically a high school uh, – there are kids on our roster that have played in bigger high school stadiums yep. than Missouri has for, for a football stadium. Yep, just so go up there. It's a business trip. Get it out of the way and get home and party on Northgate. Straight up. Just be done with it. Yep, get exactly. it Just – Take care of business. And oh, you know, talk about playing four quarters. I thought we played all four quarters on offense and defense, even though the offense went cold when we couldn't move the ball. Zach wasn't getting buried in the grass or anything. We just, no. we just kind of, we weren't executing and, and Bama had, had, had adjusted. So go up there and play those four quarters again in Missouri. And it's, it could get ugly. We it might could. see Blake most. Well, we, well, here's the deal. <laughs> we might see a similar situation to what South Carolina was last year, where we just kind of roll and roll and roll. And so that's that's what would be ideal. We just got to go up there and execute and take care of business. That's all we no got to do. No hangover. No hangover. Uh, now this next week, though, uh, there were some interesting football games I kind of wanted to touch on. It's um, kind of an eye, eyeball here. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, you've got Oklahoma State and Texas at 11 o'clock, Big Fox Saturday, right? And it's Boy. undefeated, undefeated Oklahoma State going to Austin. You want to talk about the possibility of a bad hangover? You talk about Texas. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you 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 looked like world beaters for three quarters and ninety nine percent of the fourth. I mean, you look like you could. I mean, you could throw you could throw punches with 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 Oklahoma just back and forth, but I. Man, you got to be leery of that game if you're Texas. But uh, honestly, I think Texas beats Oklahoma State because, again, being undefeated and who and who Oklahoma State have played, 
doesn't really give you all the confidence in the world to go into Austin to play a team that just put up over 500 yards of offense has, while not a Heisman candidate, has one of the better backs in the country. Bijan Robinson is legit. Oh, he's um, very good. Um, I won't deny that at uh, all. I don't know why they stopped giving him the ball. That seems like a weird idea, but, but, uh, we've talked yeah, about it I time mean, and time again, yeah, he, run the damn ball. He had, thir- he had 34 yards in the second half on, I think nine carries and he had 33 on, on one of those. So it was like 0.4 a carry after that, but they just quit giving him the ball. I don't, whatever. I'm not, I'm not Beautiful. sure. Certainly not going to break down the red river shootout, but no. if Texas can stay true to themselves, like Casey aired out a little bit and just give, Robinson the damn ball they'll beat Oklahoma State by 14 so yeah. I, I think Texas win. I think Texas wins that game I I, I do too I, I honestly I think they they refine themselves and they'll come out there and do a good job that day um the only way they don't is if Oklahoma State jumps on them the way they jumped on Oklahoma because yeah, then it'll be the hangover the, of the OU game plus Oklahoma State but Oklahoma State doesn't have that kind of offense OU does no and but then again I just don't think Texas has the horses to try to come back from that. So we'll see what happens Um, on on a couple other games here uh, that I wanted to highlight. Obviously the, the big game of the week, CBS two thirty, number 11, Kentucky going to Georgia, both undefeated six and oh, isn't that something, man, Kentucky, you're talking about Kentucky's undefeated and the fan base is excited. And I'm like, man, basketball season ain't started yet. Yeah. So Kentucky's Kentucky's doing something special. I always thought Stoops was good over there. Um, yeah, because at Kentucky, you can have all the time in the world to build because that's just not their focus. Football just isn't their priority. So if, if you can make bowl games and be respectable, you can stay at Kentucky a long time. So if you have that kind of longevity and then you can prove that you're better than just, hey, we qualify for a bowl, which these days doesn't require much of anything. Oh. Um, so it, it, I'll tell you what, though, that, that Georgia defense is just suffocating. They are. Um, I will say the line on this game is 23 and a half to Georgia. I'm not sure that's fair. That's that's completely asinine in Kentucky. I, I would – if I were trying to save all my money to run around and drink beer all over Europe, I would put a substantial amount of money down on Kentucky to cover. I'm not saying they win, but 23 is I mean, egregious. I mean, you're asking literally four scores. Against a, against a Georgia offense that, don't get me wrong, they're going to have the ball a lot because Georgia's defense is so good. But Kentucky's – man, gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of points. I'd, I'd probably take Kentucky Big now. Line. Now that, that line will get bet down a lot. And, it, and it's what is, – it's in Athens or Lexington? Oh, it's in Athens. Ooh. I know. Mm, I can sure see that's <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, Georgia wins that game, though. Um, it's so, just what will be interesting to see is how Kentucky performs, even though they don't win. Yeah. So there's there's a holy war going on. Um, you have the Mormons taking on the Baptists, BYU at Baylor. Man, Baylor. Did you see that score? Mm-hmm. Whether they play, they're playing football down on the Brazos. They tore the ball on the Brazos. Um, mm-hmm. Bonio on I, the Brazos. Yeah, that's, that's a weird non-conference middle of the season game, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, they That's a lot of weeks in to be playing at BYU. Yeah, it is. But there you go. So BYU coming to town. Yeah, you know, future Big Twelve matchup. No, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you know that'll be that'll be fun to track as a game because like I there's a there's a couple of teams in the Big Twelve that I don't think we still know anything about. One of them's Oklahoma State. I think one of them's Baylor. Yeah, and I think that'll be interesting to see. I think BYU's ranked ahead. 
um, of them, but you got Baylor at four and a half favorite at home. I think it'll be interesting. Well, and the rule is you get three points basically on, on a line for being at home, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's they're they're calling that almost as a as a break even, really. Um, really should be a good, should be entertaining if it, if it lives up to the to line and is building. It should be at least be an entertaining game. A right, uh, cu- couple of sneaky good games. I'm keeping an eye on, and I'm calling them sneaky good because. <clears throat> I think the lines are a little you interesting hope. on them because um, I hope. Um, yeah. So you have TCU <laughs> going to Oklahoma. Uh, now another hangover possibility, though. There is another hangover possibility there. And yeah, TCU's three and two, but they find a way to do stupid stuff and win these games sometimes. You Man, know? they do. But it's but it's normally in Fort Worth when they do it, though, you know? So yeah. I, I, I think, wait, what's the line on that one? 11 and a half. I, you know, I, I think OU covers it. Okay, here's here's one for you. Ole Miss at Tennessee. Ole Miss is four and Dude, one. I, Tennessee's four and two. Mississippi is only a three and a half favorite on the road. I I have no idea what to make of Tennessee. I, I don't know Me that either. anybody does. I just no idea. Um, what time is that game? What time is the kickoff? Is it six thirty? SEC Network. Boy, Naylin could be rocking for that. <clears throat> um, Night game for sure, I, man. I, I could see t- I could see Tennessee pulling that off just because they're on a high after last week. I really could. Um, and then finally wrapping it up, six o'clock ESPN, Alabama going on another road trip to another maroon team in the West, going to Mississippi State, a team that beat us last week, was the catalyst for us beating Alabama this week. And now Alabama looking to get some redemption this week. The line 17 and a half. I put all my money on Alabama. Well, you know, we've give, given Alabama motivation to win a game, I guess. Um, they're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope they don't get the you – know, you know, they just don't ever get any breaks, that program. I, I hope something good happens for them. They're going to absolutely torch Mississippi State. They are. And then everybody's going to be like – what the hell was with AM and Mississippi State game then? It's the entire SC is in Captain Insano world right now. So but I love it. I love chaos. That's that's why we're here. So, so and well, one more game. Uh Army's going to Madison to play Wisconsin. Triple option teams always give everybody although playing Big Ten teams a little different than playing OU. So it, it could get ugly, but again, I, I don't even know what the line is, but uh, I don't know. Go, but hey. Go Army beat Wisconsin. What what a fun trip to be able to go up to Madison. And, you know, that's really kind of the heartland of the country. And that's such a cool environment out there. That's definitely I still want to go to at some well, point. I, I want that to be an A&M cross division at some point. But apparently um, athletic directors have – I mean, apparently Ross has reached out to all these people. And they're just sitting there like, sorry, you don't want to yeah, play I, 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 Well, you know, I, I always want to do a home-and-home home with Michigan. But – like the more I think about it, I, if I had to rank like doing home and homes with uh, with the Big Ten, I think Wisconsin would probably be first. Yeah, Wisconsin's number one for me. The Penn State would be number two. See, Michigan's still number two for me, but like I still have a sour taste in my mouth about Penn State University, so like, sure. I don't want to go up there. Yeah, that's, uh, honestly, that's that's honestly, that's fair or not. Ohio State would be good as well, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah, as long as we catch them on a down year, because I hate the Buckeyes. So if we could beat them 70 to nothing two years in a row, I'd be all about it. You're but the problem it. is we schedule Ohio State, we're going to play in freaking Jerry's World or freaking Indianapolis. It's just it's stupid. You know, I know there's a lot of problems in this country right now, 
but at some point we've got to push through a federal law about neutral Neutral site games. Yeah. It's got to be on the list somewhere priorities, right? Right. But I tell you what, you know, this whole town, I think Aggies feel a little bit lighter on their toes today. You know, yeah, I'm sure Sunday, you know, Ags going to church and, and everybody wearing maroon and, and I'm sure there were a lot of, a lot of T-sips that maybe didn't, weren't quite able to make it to their church on Sunday service because they didn't want to deal with it. But Probably not. you know what? That's the beauty of college football. Deal with it. You want to run it. your mouth and you're going to deal with it. It goes, yeah, that exactly. That train goes both ways, man. So it's yeah. uh it's a, it's always a lovely day to be an Aggie, but it's a, a little bit nicer of a week to be an Ag this weekend. Oh, sure. <laughs> So I did want to ask you if, uh, something real quick since it's kind of wrapping up now. Um, actually, I did have a couple questions. I better um, get on those before I forget. Uh, well, while you're pulling those up, I will say uh, I don't know when or I don't know what time Army plays uh, uh, Wisconsin, but this 11 a.m. kick for us is right up my alley because we're going to be six hours ahead of time. So I'm actually going to get to watch a nice 7 p.m. game. Or uh, five, you know, five, six o'clock games. As long as I can find it somewhere in Everton, you know, Liverpool, England. But, but I, I, it's not like I'll have to get up at three in the morning to watch a football game. So I'm looking forward to the early kick, suckers. <laughs> That'll work. All right, what's your questions? All right, so this is from my, my buddy Jim. Uh, so he had basically a four-parter. <clears throat> so do you, how do you see us now running the rest of the schedule? I still think there's maybe a loss in there, maybe two. But overall, I think generally pretty positive. For the rest of the schedule, I still see us going nine, three, I, eight, and four. Uh, I don't think we, I, I, if we lose, we lose one more. And uh, again, like I said, I, I think it would be in Oxford if we were going to lose another game. You know what? Let me see Old Miss this weekend, and I may same. change my tune because because while our defense isn't on the same you know level as Georgia's, because freaking nobody is. When I see eighty-five Bears this year, they're unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I I feel like we can play Auburn similarly that as Georgia did. So I I, mm-hmm. I look a lot more positively at Auburn, especially getting them here. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so I want to see Ole Miss this weekend. If Ole Miss goes and lays a turd, I'm gonna say I'll I'll say we'll walk the rest of the schedule. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, um, part two, four parts, man. It's like a Baptist. Speaking of Baptist, it's like a Baptist sermon. Yeah, I only so, have one point and 38 parts. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, and this one's kind of a follow up on that. Like, what would be an acceptable record now? I said nine and three at the floor, 10 and two would be awesome, though. Man, I, I, I feel like eight and four would be a letdown. I, I think, yeah, I think three losses is, is the most that we can because then you can end up 10 and three, right? You can still hit that 10 win mark. Um, so I think regular season nine and three is the only acceptable one as far as feeling like the program is still on the tracks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or at least on the right track. Okay. I'd say. Um, here we go. Yeah, you go nine and three with a Bama win. You're talking about playing like Tax Slayer, maybe Capital One Bowl, decently good game. You know, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day game. Um, you know, win that. You, you, know, you get you get to ten wins is, is where you need to be at the end of the season, including the bowl. Uh, do you think this means – what does this mean for the Aggie football program going forward? I mean, I think it's just kind of similar to what we talked about earlier with the Florida game. You know, it just kind of potentially is a season setter for the rest of the table. You know, just if we can take this momentum and move through the rest of the schedule, we can look back on a positive light with the season despite the two losses. 
Yeah, uh, this exactly. And, and just like we said, yeah, this is a shot in the arm, man. You know, this last year, it was, uh, you know, that Florida game was, hey, you know, we, you know, we can do this. We can line up and run the ball, people. This was a program to find our not just season because now it's, hey, we can do this. Not only beat the number one team of the nation, but we can beat Alabama. You know, and Alabama's been our problem. We, you know, only beat them once since we've been in the SEC, and that was because we had Johnny Flip and Manziel. Mm -hmm. So, I think this is. I think it's a. I, I, you know, I don't want to be dramatic, but I think it's borderline program changer. It very well could be. Um, we're pretty excited about it. So, um, overall, can't complain. Um, so, and the other one said he just. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm still in shock. That was pretty much it. Uh, no, no real question there. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of ags that are still in shock, even on a Monday morning. Yeah. So um, one thing I did want to talk about just real quick. Um, so you and I are both big fans of Ted Lasso, right? Yes. D did you watch the season finale? Of course. Okay. I, 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 Megan gets home from work on Friday. We crack a beer and flip it on. Okay. I'm going to so, wait for Jonna to come over. And So um, – I'm going to go ahead and put a timestamp in here. Uh, if you don't want spoilers for Ted Lasso, go ahead and go to this next number that I will give you. It'll be in the description. Holy crap. What a turnaround. Your boys are the villains now. How did this happen? No, Nate. Is, well, so I laughed about this um, after I was like, you know, that's how I know it's completely fictional because our owners would never sell to anybody. So, exactly. so Rupert buying West Ham is about as fictional as it gets. Because we've, had, we've had an offer on the table, regardless of how serious it may be, for four, five, six months now. Our owners won't sell to anybody. So clearly this is fictional. Um, I, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you've got a, a sitcom or a show or a drama or whatever, but you're trying to keep it within the real world enough to where, like, it's not just a football team, but it's like, a, like Premier League. You're actually trying to use the actual teams and everything. Um, somebody's got to be the villain, and I, it's um, it's wildly disappointing. But they just chose it to because, personally, as as a as as a as a hammer, uh, I I want them to fire him immediately. Nate, I want them to fire him immediately. Uh, but man, I, I I thought it was just an absolutely genius wrap up of the season. No, I agree. Uh, I think a lot of you know a lot of talking points. Honestly, you. Got to see the transformation of Nate as it went along. And really, this show lacked a true villain throughout it. And how ironic that the villain was created through Ted's niceness and not continuing to follow up on this guy. And he just felt like he was getting pushed aside. And he eventually felt the need to lash out and is now moving on into his own. And it's going to be a really interesting dynamic between them and, and uh, Richmond next year now that Richmond's back in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, and and to see him, uh, you know, because really, you know, you go through the first two seasons, the villain was Ted Lasso trying to figure the sport out, right? Just the, the right. villain of, of ignorance, um, and then it, it really hit that that, that big mental health, uh, uh, you know, stretch when Ted Lasso was really dealing with it. And I I I, I love the whole show. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, you absolutely should. Um, it's it, it's not like every episode you're watching, you know, half of it's just watching a football match. They, they stay away from kind of end game type action for the most part. Sure. Um, it's like it's like the sport is kind of almost an afterthought. It's everything about the team and the sport, just not the actual games. It's the but, relationships uh, with the coaching and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Well, an American getting plopped in. in it's just yeah, it's, it's phenomenal writing. Um, great show. But 
Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed, but uh, it ended, and of course, the, everybody just looks at me like, "Oh my God, it's West Ham." Um, and I was like, you know, I really like that that training top that that he wears. I like that one. <laughs> that was like my first response because I. But it doesn't surprise me, uh, also because um, one, it seems like they want to stay in London for filming, and well, because sure. FC Richmond, you know, it's Crystal it's Crystal Palace, um, right, is basically. where they're filming. And then, yeah. um, and then London Stadium is a, a. It's just such a production of a stadium, unfortunately for for West Ham fans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's for so it's. It's, it's like Reed Arena. Like, we play basketball at Reed, but Reed's not a basketball arena. It's a venue. You know, it's an event venue. And so, um, yeah, your ability to, to use London Stadium, I, I get it, whatever. Well, and it, honestly, let's face it. I mean, it really works because it would have been unrealistic to see him go on to coach over at Chelsea or Arsenal or one of those. But yeah, smaller club. But, I mean, but like West Ham being a quote-unquote smaller club it's still a premier club in in england yeah i i don't know it, it, it reminds me of uh remember in goodfellas when ray Liotta's like jimmy's the kind of guy that went to the movies and rooted for the bad guys mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i gotta be honest man when when richmond plays west ham i don't care i thought i have to root for my fictional hammers just have to root for my real hammers yeah <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out and i think it is interesting because you feel like West Ham has gotten a lot of, you know, publicity, good or bad from media. I mean, that's pretty common, it. you know, it's, I, I mean, that's, that's how you discovered them. As, as, as big of a, sh- uh, a show as Ted Lasso has become, this is one of those where, you know, even any, any publicity is good publicity, right? Exactly. Because everybody knows the big six. If you know like a shred of anything of, about European football, you, you can probably almost name the big six. You probably name at least three of them just because even if you don't even watch it, you do. So sure. I, I love the exposure. I do. Um, and so that leads into my trip. Yeah. So I got to, you know, I, I got I to gotta get packing and you've got an appointment. I have to go take my COVID test pre-flight and pre-entry to Europe, but I'm going to Flying to Paris and straight to Munich. I'm going to hang out Munich with my buddy for a few days. We're going to go out to Dachau, which I'm really looking for that experience. Uh, and then I go up to London, uh, and we're going to road trip up to Everton, and we're going to have a what they call we're going to have a proper piss up. Uh, we're going to go get <laughs> slammed in Everton and wake up Sunday morning and um, uh, go to the match. And uh, I'll go back to London and do kind of some touristy fun stuff. And then Monday I head out to Bastogne. I'm going to spend uh, an overnight in Bastogne. I'm just going to walk the wood a little bit. And then I start my 10-day tour. It's a 10-day uh, kind of uh, like tour package that the Society of the Honor Guard, um, you know, the Tomb Guard Society um, put together. And so I'm about to go on the trip of a lifetime, man. And so if I can if I can make the podcast work, we will. Um, I don't want to use uh, – my data too much just because when my wife went over there, her phone got hacked. Yeah, we so if I that. can find wife, yeah, if I can find wifi, we'll be doing the podcast. If not, Rob will be doing podcasts with some guests and he'll keep it probably, probably more enjoyable than what I'm here to be honest. Uh, um, we got a few different guys that have uh, reached out and said they wouldn't mind hopping in and helping out. So um, yeah, we've looked at uh, Adam Drake, you know, our buddy from, from the chicken. Oh yeah. you got. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. So, so yeah. what I will do is I will uh, check, double check with him this next week. Obviously we'll post everything about it on the, on the page itself. Um, but both of us have to start rolling out. So be sure to go follow Roy May 15 on Twitter, Rob the slapper on Twitter, 
and of course us at the red ass podcast guys thank you so much for listening in <laughs> you, you got two weeks to audition to take my job so contact rob or contact the show like yeah. share <laughs> yeah be sure to hit us yeah, up. like and share the share the videos and uh and if, if I don't get to see y'all beforehand, beat the hell out of Missouri, beat the hell out of Old Miss, and I will be back the weekend before Halloween. Yep, beat the hell out of everybody, rock and roll, gig them, all that fun stuff. Gig them and come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. You'll never walk alone. Yeah.